took about five steps and distinctly heard I knew, I knew it was a bear, I just didn't know where it was. And all I could do was lean to the right and the bear leaned to the left and I, we, it passed within inches of me. Welcome, I'm Rebecca Huntington. You're listening to The Fine Line, a podcast that tells real stories of adventure, risk and rescue in the backcountry of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. This episode of The Fine Line is brought to you by the Jackson Hole News and Guide. Connecting you to the stories, people, and issues that shape our valley. Subscribe at jhnewsandguide.com. Name's John Carr, and I've been in Grand Teton for the better part of 46 years. Almost all of it in the backcountry. In this episode, John Carr describes what it's like to come face-to-face with a mother grizzly. With decades of experience camping and working in bear country, he's learned a lot about bears. We'll also hear from Kate Wilmot, the park's bear management specialist. First, Carr takes us back to an unforgettable birthday that he spent in Moose Basin in the northern part of Teton Park. This incident happened on my 50th birthday. I'd been clearing trail up in the north end of the park the entire spring, and I thought, I'm going to just kind of take the day off and have a birthday celebration and hike from the Moose Basin Patrol Cabin up to Glacier Peak, one of my favorite peaks up in the north end of the park. And on that particular morning, I got up early, around 6 in the morning. I just wanted to have an easy day of it. Kind of going up through open meadows above the Moose Basin Cabin. There's several drainages in Moose Basin, and I got over to the first big drainage. And as I was headed up this ridge, I thought, hmm, and I had this sixth sense. I thought, I've been kind of walking alone with my thoughts, not paying much attention, and I'm in bear country, and I, sh- I should slow down and pay a little bit more attention. And I clearly remember I stopped for a moment under a white bark pine, looked around, saw nothing, heard nothing, took about five steps, and distinctly heard, I knew, I knew it was a bear, I just didn't know where it was. I'm, I'm scanning around and I look down in the ravine below me and there's a, a female grizzly coming up the slope and she's flanked by two second year cubs and they're coming right at me in a formation like geese. She's out in front and cubs are about 10 feet off her shoulder and they're loping up the slope toward me. I'd worked in Alaska some with bears and stuff, and I'd seen this sort of behavior before, and I wasn't even particularly alarmed. I was just kind of looking down, watching them lope up the slope, and I tried to stand up, look big, raise my arms, and squared off on them. And they were just kind of loping, and I thought, well, when they get to 100 yards, 50 yards, they're gonna veer off like they all always do. She didn't, she actually, really accelerated about a hundred yards and I'd been practicing with my bear spray about once a day I just reached out I always knew where it was on my belt I could get it without even looking or thinking and I remember reaching down getting the bear spray pushing it out toward the bear so it was between the bears and I at this point I realized this may, may not go well because this is this is not the way it usually plays out they are coming full speed right at me. They're fixed They're fixed on me. And I get that. I'm just gonna start speaking softly, t- 
take a step or two backwards. But what really surprised me when they got in close, like at about 20, 25 yards, both the Cubs went out and, and came in and flanked me. So they sort of had me in a triangle and the Cubs, they were down on all fours like dogs trying to nip at your heels and they were trying to grab me by the ankle. I only have one can of bear spray. If I spray the Cubs, she's gonna charge, you know, because she's clearly in a, in a really protective mode. But what also happened that gave me just a little bit of hope is when she ran up and got within about 20 feet of me, she, had, she stood straight up. In her Rose book, he's a Canadian bear expert, and I had read that book cover to cover. And he had said, when a bear stands up, that's a good sign. Internally, it felt good. It was like, because she can't charge if she's on her hind feet, she needs to be on all fours. And I realized she was having some second thoughts, but the cubs were in there just two, three feet away. They'd jump in, jump back, jump in, jump back like that. And I was wearing sunglasses and I was thinking, she can't see my eyes because I've got reflective sunglasses on. I really wonder where she's looking because in his book I clearly remembered, he said, if a bear's looking you in the eye, you're in trouble. If they're looking at the ground in front of you or the foreground, that's a good sign. I remember looking up through the sunglass, looking her right in the eye to see what she was thinking and it felt so good. She was looking right down at the ground. I took my eyes off of her Look back at the Cubs and I'm fidgeting around. And they won't quite grab me because I think they sensed when she stopped, something's not right here. Mom's not taking him down. This episode of The Fine Line is brought to you by the Jackson Hole News and Guide. What's the power of a story? Stories can lead people to rally, to vote, to take action, to learn, cry, and even to laugh out loud. Every week, our writers, photographers, and editors tell the stories that shape our valley. Discover the power of story. Subscribe at jhnewsandguide.com. They were close. Like, I had to keep moving my ankles and doing this little dance around him. The one on the downhill side was more aggressive, for sure. He, he was really getting like I could reach out and touch him. The one on the uphill side was back off five, ten feet, but doing the same thing. And at about that point, I'm thinking, when do I need to pull the bear spray? And it's like, I don't want to spray her at this distance if she's standing up, because if I spray her here, she's going to drop to the ground charge, because I've been aggressive to her. But if she, if she goes back to the ground and comes a step close, I, I have to spray her. And that's what was going through my mind when the cub on the uphill side of me, the one that was less aggressive, got scared. I think she was reading the, her mother's feelings about having some doubts or trepidation about this. She turned and ran back and got behind the sow. And the sow turned around and, and, and ran back after that cub and backed off about 50 foot. But the bear on the downhill, the cub, in the, the second year cub on the downhill side of me, he wasn't letting go. He was still right there. And I mean, when the mother turned her back, I just took one step toward him, kicked at his face as hard as I could. And I really didn't mean to hit him, but I wanted him to think, son of a bitch is going to kill me. 
he gave out this little scream, little yelp, you know, and he took off after mom. I mean, I scared him out of there. He he ran for his mom, but boy, the minute she heard that yelp, she spun around and came right back at me. Oh, God, here we go again. And uh, But this time she stopped about 20 feet away and stood up, but now both cubs were behind her. And at that point, we slowly got untangled. I was able to keep talking her down, step what taking a step back she just watched me and she let me back up eventually about 50 feet and then she dropped down to all fours and she walked back to the cub but every couple of steps she'd just turn over head over her shoulder and give me this look like we got an understanding here right and yeah and we got untangled wow yeah. i haven't heard that story john oh. i've never heard that story and I'm impressed. My name is Kate Wilmot, and I'm the bear management specialist in Grand Teton. I don't know if most people would have been able to stand there and think the way you thought. I would have sprayed a bear. I would have sprayed it. I thought I sprayed that bear. I was done for. She's gone to all fours and taken me down because the cubs are in so close. I'd worked in Denali, and I'd seen another guy, my Mike Wild, a backcountry ranger I work with. He was bluff charged by a bear, and the bear was really up close. And I think I was drawing in some of that and then reading Haro's book. So, like, I'd really thought through this scenario. What are you going to do if a bear charges? And in Alaska, that happened two, three, four times that summer. We'd have bluff charges, not as dramatic as the first one, but where the bears would run at us, but they would veer off at 50 to 100 feet. And that was almost always the mode and the way I sort of thought about it was a lot of times in these bear encounters the bad ones it's almost always that the bear is startled and it's like two people in an alleyway at night and it's fight or flight mode and I think it's the same thing with bears when they're startled they jump up and come at you and if they determine you're not a threat they veer off and if you are a threat it could go bad but you have to try and not be a threat, but you can't flee either. You just hold your ground and hope for the best. Coming up, Carr shares another heart-pounding encounter. You're listening to The Fine Line, and I'm Rebecca Huntington. We're talking with backcountry ranger John Carr and bear management specialist Kate Wilmot. What's striking is that you practiced reaching your bear spray quickly and also practice in your mind how this might play out. Maybe we wouldn't all be as brave as John, but we could at least sort of play out ahead of time in our minds what might happen. Practicing getting your bear spray out is key, because when you're in a situation like that, I think you have 10 thumbs and none of them work. And he did a really good imitation of the hoofing. Do that again, John. Awesome. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah, it's, you, no I've heard that a bunch that. of times. You know, we'll, In my job working, we'll push bears out of developed areas and they'll do that to you. It's another thing to pay attention to, those sounds, and what that means. You know, and a lot of people think a bear walking down the trail towards them is aggressive. It could be using the trail just to get from point A to point B like we are. You know, John also was educated, even if he just took a few of those key points. A bear standing up is not aggressive. They're just trying to get a better idea of what you are. I told you I stopped, and I had that sixth sense. And as I stepped out from this tree, and I only made it four or five steps, the first reaction when I saw the bear was to go back to the tree and try and get up the tree. And then I thought, uh, in his book, Haro said, 
that's always a bad idea. You're just not quick enough. The bear is way too fast. And I thought, okay, you're not going back to the tree. Second thought, get out the bear spray. But I think for me, the real take home here is it's not good to startle a bear. I mean, that's, and you, you have a lot of control over that. Like if, if you're just hiked a little slower, you take the headphones off and you be aware of the environment and just move. I, I always move when I'm up in the north end of the park slower, more alertly. And I, I enjoy it. You see the birds, you hear more, you, but you got to really be engaged. You can't be alone with your thoughts, daydreaming. You see fresh scat on the trail, fresh prints. You just get more alert. And I'm not afraid to make sound either. I was going through the North Fork of Moran two weeks ago. We were seeing a lot of fresh bear scat, rolled logs. I shout out every 60 seconds or so. And then I listen. Did I hear rustling or something get up? I don't like making noise back there. I mean, I'm kind of even self-conscious about it out in the middle of nowhere. But when I make a noise, it's loud. I mean, I blast it out. And I warn people, I'm about to do this, get, get used to it, until we're out of the woods or the brush here. And especially on a windy day or near a stream or something, I noticed in Alaska, a lot of times, if the wind's not right, the bear can't smell you. If you come up behind a bear and the wind's blowing over you, they get that scent from a couple, of, and you see their head come up and they start looking around. The wind's in your face and you come up on them, they can't smell you. They keep right on foraging. They don't hear incredibly well. They smell really well, but the wind's got to be in the right direction. Those sorts of things might be telling me, make noise or make a detour and get out of the brush, get out in the hillside a bit. There's a lot we can do so that we don't surprise those bears. You know, you're, you're entering the wilderness, you're entering the backcountry, and you need to act like you're entering the backcountry, not be complacent and get those earbuds out of your ears. Yes. Enjoy the sounds, hear the birds, the creaks, the twigs cracking. And the surprise encounters are so quick that you don't have time. If you plan, what am I gonna do in a surprise encounter? And just practice that stuff. You know, if you have children, everyone get behind me. You know, I'll be in the front. Pull my bear spray out. You know, you'll probably do a better job if you've practiced to some degree what to do if you're in that situation. After the 2011 maulings in Yellowstone, the agencies thought that we weren't maybe doing enough to educate the public about what they needed to do in the backcountry. So we made a sign that is at all trailheads. And it lists five important bullets. Um, the first one is be alert. I think the second one is make noise, so don't surprise a bear. And you don't have to scream the entire time you're hiking. It's, as John pointed out um, several times, there's certain areas uh, near water, if it's windy, if you're coming up over a rise through thick vegetation where you can't see, let the bear know you're coming. We encourage folks to carry bear spray in the backcountry. Hiking in numbers certainly is a better option, and if you do choose to hike alone, you just need to be that much more alert. Dark twilight, early morning, much more apt to see bears in the middle of the day. And the last one is to not run if you encounter a bear. So if you, if you have a situation like John explained, he did everything right, he stood his ground. Had he turned around and ran, that would probably not have gone as well. Those were all really key points. And one thing I was going to go back to about that sixth sense thing, 
that's part of being alert and aware. And I think it's um, drawing something primitive in us that if, if we're not listening to headphones and daydreaming, it, it's not really as I think you notice more like you just see a slight movement or maybe that day I heard the bears down there. That's why I stopped. It, it wasn't conscious, but I knew something was in the area. I don't think it was just sheer luck because I've had that experience now half a dozen times where something stopped me that it wasn't like a visible movement. Something's telling me, stop for a second, look, and I believe in that now. You know, you don't want to overreact to it and be looking over your shoulder all the time, but every once in a while you get this sense and you should just stop and take it all in for a moment. Coming up, Carr shares another heart-pounding encounter reliving the time he came eye-to-eye and almost shoulder-to-shoulder with a sprinting grizzly. This episode of The Fine Line is brought to you by the Jackson Hole News and Guide. What's the power of a story? Stories can lead people to rally, to vote, to take action, to learn, cry, and even to laugh out loud. Every week our writers, photographers, and editors tell the stories that shape our valley. Discover the power of story. Subscribe at jhnewsandguide.com. Years ago, we, we'd take as much food as we could to the Upper Berry Creek cabin on the first trip of the year. You'd get a per diem allowance, you'd go to the grocery store, buy four or $500 worth of groceries, leave it in the fire cache. That first pack you'd carry up there would weigh 80, 90 pounds. I did a little trail clearing on the way in, and I'm carrying this pack, and I'd gotten to the cabin, I dumped this pack off, I'm just beat up and tired, and I think, I'm just gonna pour myself a little whiskey take my book, step out onto the front porch, sit down, kick my legs up, and relax for a while. And that's exactly what I do. And I've only been sitting there about a couple of minutes. Something runs by the cabin. It's thundering like a racehorse. It, it was moving, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw this moose go by. And it went by like I'd never seen a moose stretch out and run like that. And I picked up my whiskey, put down my book, walked behind the wood pile, and stepped off the edge of the porch and looked over my right shoulder where the moose had gone, and it was it was long gone. And I heard something, and I turned, and a grizzly bear coming full speed. I mean, this thing was moving like a racehorse itself. Came up out of the creek bottom. It was airborne. It was coming right at me. It was about 50 feet away, and I didn't have time to move, and it didn't have time to stop itself. And I remember it was up in the air like this, and I could see those claws up over its head like this. And all I could do was lean to the right, and the bear leaned to the left, and I, we, it passed within inches of me. He was looking at me with these big eyes like, I don't know what to do, and it's like we both leaned, and he went out into the meadow and he made this big circle and he came back and he was looking at me and his sides were just heaving like this. We're standing about 20 feet apart looking at each other and I'd never spilled my drink and I thought, I think it's time to step back up on the porch, go into the cabin and look out the window at this thing. And he stood there and looked at me for about 30 seconds and then he took back off after the moose. So a lot of times they don't want to hurt you. Boy, he could have had me, so he, all he had to do was stick out a palm on the way by, but I think I startled him as much as he startled me. It was a good feeling that he purposely missed me. <laughs>
on my side. I leaned away and sort of purposely missed him, too. This podcast is produced by Backcountry Zero, a vision of the Teton County Search and Rescue Foundation to reduce fatalities and serious injuries in the Tetons. Find out more at backcountryzero.com.